Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. How to rest blessed. I'm starting this new series. The reason I want to start this series is because um, the Bible talks a lot about rest. The Bible talks a lot about how to be in a place of rest. And um, the rest that we can find in God and in His, um, in His abode when we're in Christ um, is like nothing else. And it does bring about blessing. When we, when we know that we can rest in God, we'll understand that we're blessed in God. And it leads us into a blessing that was always there, it's just that we didn't actually see it. Sometimes for all of our striving to rest and for all of our striving to get to a certain place, we can miss the fact that we were already blessed before it all, right? And uh, that, is, that is the fact with, with, with our walk with Jesus is, is not about striving to be blessed, but realizing that we are blessed and that as we realize that, we can actually find rest. I'm going to explain that a little more. I'm going to go through this series over the next three weeks. Um, and uh, here's the leading kind of scripture. It's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says this. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you... Good. You're awake. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, everybody say rest, rest. for your souls. Well, you don't have to say that. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is heavy. Light. Is it up there? Oh, it's, it's coming. Don't worry about that. It's okay. For my yoke is easy, not my egg yolk. I'm not talking about an egg yolk. He's talking about the kind of yolk that you see on a bullock when it's pulling a bullock cart. And uh, I miss that. <laughs> it's the kind of uh, thing that, you know, when you see a bullock cart, every, every now and again in Mumbai we see a bullock cart still, like, happening. Like, what is that doing here? How is that even possible that these things are still happening? But... There you'll see a bullock, and across its, its neck there will be a yoke that's connected to the, the cart that's helping it pull the cart along, right? Well, Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, so submit to me, that's what he's saying, and you'll find that the burden that actually comes with that is actually really easy. We think it's not, but it actually is, right? It's, it seems like an oxymoron, but it, it's actually not, because... Here's why, is because he has taken the weight of God's wrath and the expectation and everything that needed to be done in order for us to have favor with God. But I want to focus in on this statement where Jesus says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I guess rest to find would be to, to be, have a sense of calmness, to have a sense of gentleness, to be at ease, have peace of mind. Um, it's like the opposite of tension and strife. Who wants rest? I, I'm not kind of talking about going away on holidays for a rest. 
although that's good, but I have been on holidays and not had rest. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, our recent holiday when we were in Goa, um, they said on the web page that the entire house had air conditioning. When we got there, we discovered that only one bedroom had air conditioning, which meant that when we came home from the beach in the morning to rest at the home for a nice, cool home, we discovered, unfortunately, that the house was really, 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 really stinking hot and we couldn't rest. <laughs> so I was walking around, fanning myself, we're all like complaining, the kids are all sweaty, and we're like, okay, this is not happening, we've got to go to another place. Right? You can, you can, I, I'm not talking about that kind of rest, I'm talking about the kind of rest inside of you. Inside of you. And something Jesus wants to give you as a gift, as an inheritance, actually, is rest. It's something He just wants to give to you. But here's why we need to talk about this. Life doesn't always feel restful. In fact, it's very rare, I think, that we would find ourselves in a state of rest because of life especially living in a city like Mumbai. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty rare to find our external circumstances around us and look at them all and say, you know what, I'm so restful right now. It's usually the opposite, right? It's usually we're just trying to get out of everything and get away from everything so that we can find some sort of solace. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, I just got to stop for a while. I just got to put everything down so that I can have rest. But what I want to give you today is some keys to finding internal rest amongst external chaos. Okay? I want to give you some keys to have internal rest amongst external chaos. And the Bible gives us this. It gives us some tips and keys for this. Now, this is really important, okay? You need to find this rest. And here's why. I've got one slide that's coming up. It says this. It says, growth, personal growth, is a product of rest intention. Personal growth is a product of rest intention. So... This statement is an interesting statement because it doesn't promise that we're going, not going to have tension in life. I love that statement that um, people say here, no, no tension. That's, that's only, I think that's a Mumbai sort of thing. You know, no tension, no arguments, no, no tension. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You give me 10 rupees. Oh, it's just no tension. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Life, there is going to be tension. There is going to be moments. There are going to be weeks, like Rachel and I have had a week. Rachel's father have had a crazy week with mum being in a hospital and all of that. Uh, Harry and Vandana were here last week proclaiming. Uh, Uncle Gul gave the testimony. That was, that, that, was, that was some strife going on there. There was some, there was some tension going on there that, that because Uncle Gul was sick. You can look at your life at the moment, I'm sure I could go across, I'm not going to do it, show of hands, who's got some tension, strife, some stuff going on in their world. Yeah, yeah we, we all do. We all do. Okay. Well, the, 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 
the, the, the issue is this, is that tension is not always going to be going away. In fact, we can sometimes be living entire lives. In fact, you, if you look throughout history, some of the greatest people that have lived in history have been people that have, in the midst of complete chaos and strife and stuff and even like really bad sickness and ailments and all of those, somehow been able to rise above all of that and continue to do what God has called them to do, right? Tension is, is always going to be there. But growth, if you want to grow in tension, if you want to grow through strife, if you want to grow through circumstances that are difficult and hard and relational issues in particular, these are huge in our world. You know, 99% of our problems uh, are usually because of some sort of relationship in our life that's, that's got some bumps in it. And even there, the tension in relationships, growth only comes in those areas when we actually begin to realize that we've got to rest and we've got to find rest. We can't have growth if we're not rested. See, the next slide says this. It says, internal distraction in us is a product of strife intention or internal strife intention. You won't be able to grow when there's constant strife in your heart. When there's external strife and when there's internal strife, all that's going to do is going to bring a perfect storm into your world where you will not be able to grow. You'll actually, it'll, it'll actually bring destruction. It'll actually destroy you. And the sad thing is, is so many people, even myself, I know that it is hard for me and difficult for me to take this statement because I know for me, at times, I have internal issues. I have internal strife, and all that it does is makes my external reality, my external strife and tension in life and all of those, it just makes them worse. Because I just start getting forceful and pushy and, and, and moody and angry and upset, and, and I become like this guy that nobody really wants to know. Right? It, it, for, all, for each of us, it, it kind of manifests in different ways. This is manifest in all sorts of ways. This can, we, we begin to do things like when there's strife going on, we can, we can begin to, 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 to kind of, yeah, like me, like get angry or we might, we, might, or we might be the type of person we go around and start talking, 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 talking and talking to all sorts of people about our issues and our, our problems and sometimes that might lean into gossip. You know, that might lean into talking about the people that are hurting you and you're making sure that all your bases are covered and everybody knows that you're hurting and they're the, they're the people that are to blame. Or you may, you, may be, you may be just like going into depression. You might be falling into a place where you just can't kind of get out of it. And, and you, as much as you try, you're trying to get out of this hole and you're looking for something to grab a hold of that at least gives you some sort of rest, you know. Or you, you, you might be, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we can be doing because of this internal strife and the external strife and we're trying to make it all right. But until we realize that rest has to be happening internally, 
the external reality will only destroy us because we're already beginning to fail from the inside out. So what Jesus does is he actually teaches us how to walk in rest. Right? He teaches us how to walk in rest. And what I want to focus on today, okay, is, is this concept Jesus talks about and this word he talks about. It's meekness. Meekness. And in this word, there's actually this concept and there's some freedom that we can find as we begin to study and break it down. You, you probably not use that word so much. It's not really a word that we kind of use in our normal day-to-day -day language, meekness. If you do, you're probably one of those smart people that reads a lot. You know, I'm so meek. And it's like, wow, who uses that word anymore? Meek, right? But this is an incredible word. I want to teach today on what Jesus was teaching about when he was talking about meekness and how it is related to our internal rest. Let's uh, go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And, and this uh, very short scripture that I'm going to read you is a part of a very large teaching that Jesus uh, taught as one of the greatest speeches ever in the history of the world. Um, and uh, it, it was Jesus' first sermon where he, he, he goes through the different blessings but today I'm just going to look at verse 5 where it says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now that's interesting. One thing, really interesting thing to note here is that it doesn't say, Blessed are the meek, for their reward will be the earth. Okay? Because this could easily turn into something where if, if, if I'm saying, okay, you need to be meek, and you're like, as a result, I'm going to have, have this reward given to me. No, it's, it's an inheritance. Okay, that's, that's a whole different thing. That means that there's a birthright there. That means that there's some sort of connection there that gives you the, the actual... Uh, the right to, to, to walk in a certain way with God. There's an inheritance. It's not a reward, it's an inheritance. Okay? Blessed are the meek. Now let's just talk about meekness. What is meekness? I guess to describe meekness would to say gentleness, mildness, humility, considerate. In fact, if you go back to the last scripture that I just read, when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest, rest, and then he says in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is where he's describing meekness. He says this, he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. That's, that's actually meekness described. He's describing himself. Gentle and humble in heart. Now, when you talk about meekness, especially in our general, the general worldview of the world that we live in, it's almost kind of considered weakness. Meekness can be described almost like you would kind of almost, you could almost argue, hold on a second, this meekness idea is actually weakness. You can't be meek in this world. 
it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. If you, if you get all meeky and weak, you're going to get stepped on. Because someone who's not meek is going to step on you and, and use you as their doormat to get to where they need to go, right? That's kind of how the world thinks. So when you talk about meekness, and it kind of, we can, the power of this can kind of really be missed when we realize what Jesus was trying to say. See, worldly meekness, okay, you, versus what the Bible is talking about meekness is, are two different things. And this is just an important side note with reading the Bible. Sometimes, because the Bible has been translated into English, right, from, from Hebrew and Greek and other languages, we can completely miss the, the actual meaning of, of things without looking a little deeper as to what the original words were, right? See, it, it, the, the meekness that the world talks about and the meekness that the Bible talks about are actually different. See, meekness of the world... When you say, in, you know, I'm going to be a meek person now, that would, that would describe some sort of outward conduct, right? That would describe some sort of, sort of way you act towards people, right? This would describe a way you are in relationships. This would describe some sort of relational way that you one-on-one -on -one with people and your relationships, friendships, in your dealings with the world, your dealings in business, your dealings in work and all of those sorts of things. It would describe the way you are. And, and you know, to be honest, um, Plato, he talks about meekness as being a way that, um, I can't remember who he was talking about. Mm, it's gone. It's, missed my, it's gone in my brain. But, but, but he was talking about a character that if he becomes meek, it's going to, for him, lead to leadership. So his argument, Plato's argument is if one is meek, if one is gentle, if one is kind, it's going to give them influence that they need in order to become a leader. That's what he was saying, right? Because, you know, people will prefer a person who's kind. People will prefer a person who, who, who at least comes across that they care, even if they don't. Right? If you can master that, you're going to get somewhere with human beings. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong, I know. We can fake these kind of things. We can really fake these things. But see, according to Jesus, he's not talking about an external reality alone. He's talking about an internal quality, an inward quality. Jesus is talking about meekness as an inward quality which has an external outworking. So first there needs to be something that happens on the inside of us in order for the external to happen. If without the inside of us changing, without us beginning to see how this works in Christ and what it means and how we need to change internally, we can, we'll only be faking the external, the external outworking. It won't be real. It'll just be something that you use in order to get somewhere in life. And, 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 and at the end of the day, that won't actually bring the rest that you're looking for because you'll always be striving. Here's the inward quality that changes everything for us that Jesus is talking about when he talks about meekness. See, the inward quality begins with the admission that we are subject to God's mercy. The inward quality 
of meekness, of biblical meekness, begins with the admission that we are completely subject to God's mercy and that we are never and never have been entitled to it. Now, this is a little bit heavy. Everybody, don't panic. It gets better. You can look at the person next to you and say, it gets better, it's okay, it's all right. (laughs) But we have to realize something with God. He is a good, good father. He is an amazing, loving father who has made a way for us through Christ, who paid the price of sacrifice, who paid the sacrifice on the cross on our behalf so that we didn't have to. But there was a reason why Jesus had to do that. The reason was is because we were destined for death. And if God didn't do that, we were done for. We were left for. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of sacrifices you would make to God, what you would do, you would still come short of the, the standard that He had. And the standard that God has is a perfect standard. Now, I would just love someone you know, here, or if you can find me a perfect person, please let me know. You won't, you won't find them. Even me as a pastor, I am completely imperfect. I don't know if you, you know that. I mean, I know I look amazing, but... <laughs> just kidding. I trimmed my beard, so I'm looking better. But, <laughs> you know, we, we are all imperfect beings. There, beings. There is no way, there is no way that we could ever come up to the standard that God has for us. And we have to realize the fact that there is sin in our world. Sin. Sin that separates us from God completely that you can sacrifice you can do all the things you can do everything that every teacher and everything everything out there that 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 is taught in order to get the favor of god you will not get it because you'll never be perfect there'll be something that you miss somewhere okay so so this is this is the beginning of meekness and the internal reality and the internal change that comes as a result of realizing the fact that we are not entitled to anything. You can't do anything to become entitled for God's favor. This is a little scary, but I said it gets it's getting better. It's okay. This is a little scary though. It's like, well, what can I do? Nothing. This is where Jesus came in. And he did what you can't do. See, he died for your sins, for your rottenness, for the stuff you can't overcome, for the stuff that separates you from God. He died for it. And he took it upon himself. He took the punishment for it. And then he rose again and he said, follow me. And he says this, he said, you you can claim my death instead of yours. And in my death, there's a resurrection and you come to life in me. And you follow me for the rest of your days. You commit your life to me and you you live your life under my will and give up your own will. You're going to find life in me. But to do that, we've got to admit back here that we need him. And here's where where the Christian faith and and the Bible and the journey of of faith with Jesus is completely different to everything else you'll, you'll find across anywhere is that there needs to be this admission that you need Him. Everything else will teach you 
that you can do something in order to get to God. Okay? You've got to hear me. Everything else, if you look at everything else, it'll also, there'll be something that you need to do, whether it be counting something, doing a certain amount of things. There is nothing we can do except for the mercy of God. That's what the Bible says. And think about it, it actually makes sense. Okay, Jesus needed to do what he did in order for us to have grace. So, but over here, in here, we have to admit the fact that we need him, which actually is hard, but really good at the same time. Because it's like this happy, sad moment where you realize that you can be free, that's happy, but it's also sad because you realize that you haven't got the ability to do it yourself. Now, what does that produce? That produces humility. See, humbleness is birthed when we begin to realize that we don't have it. Humbleness is birthed when we begin to realize that we cannot, no matter how much we try and strive to get God's favor, we cannot get it unless He gives it. Humbleness. And this is what Jesus is talking about with meekness. This is the inward quality that begins when we admit that we are subjects of God's mercy and if we are ever entitled to it, it's only in Jesus' name. Entitlement says, I, I've done, therefore I deserve. Meekness says, I was deserving, I was deserving death, yet he rescued me. Entitlement says, I'll say it again just in case you missed it, but entitlement says this, I've done dot, dot, dot. I've done whatever it is that you have done. You know, I've done this, I've done that. Therefore, I deserve this or that. That's entitlement. Meekness says, I was deserving death, yet he rescued me. There's something that changes. Meekness is the ad admission for our innate need for Christ. It's the admission for our innate need for the cross. And what it actually leads to, as we begin to realize that we need Him, is it leads to faith. Faith in Jesus. As you begin to believe, okay, I need you, Jesus. Uh, come into my world and change me. Set me free from my sin. Set me free from the bondage and the chains of sin and death. I want to be in you. And we get this faith that's birthed. That doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from, it doesn't come from something that we've worked out and conjured up. you just got to have faith, 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 faith. No, it doesn't come from that. It comes from the realization that you need Him so bad and that without Him, nothing works. So the way... That this works is when we realize this. There's this external outworking as a result in our world. And it's called this. It's called spiritual growth. We begin to grow because we actually come into Christ. See, growth... I'll go back to my statement when I said it before that was up on the, on, the, on, the, on the thing. It says that growth is a product of rest in tension. When you begin to find rest in the fact that you need Christ alone, that's all you need. See, you'll find rest in that statement. You're like, no, I need, I need money. No, I, I, I need to get ahead in life. No, I need to get a wife. I need to get a husband. No, I need to, I don't know, 
travel more. I, I need to do this. I need to do that. I, I'm, I'm not enough as I am. I'm not enough as I am. I'm, you know, these statements, I'm not as enough as I, as I am right now. And we kind of know it. Like, I'm not enough. I need more. I need more. No, I see, as you, as, you, as you begin to realize, no, 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 hold on a sec. Just, just hold up. All those things are okay. It's good to want a wife. It's good to want a husband. I wanted a wife and I, I, I got a really good one. It's good to want money. It's, it's okay, you know. Love of money is the root of all evil, but it's okay if you have the ambition to make some money in life. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it's good to want some success. That's all, that's, that's, all, that's all good. But when you begin to realize that all you actually need is Christ, you don't need to strive for these things. You just need to be in Him. There's rest. And when life gets crazy, because life is crazy, when you've got that rest and when strife comes and you're like thinking, okay, what I need right now, what I need right now is more this, more that, more this, more that, and I need to do this more and I need to do that more and I need to blah, 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 and the list starts to go on and, and you get that internal thing, you just hold up a second, hold, hold on a second. All I need is Him. We rest. We rest. You can clap. Spiritual growth is a product of rest. And here's how it works in relationships. Let's just talk about relationships for a second because, as I said, 99% of our problems in life are relational problems. When we walk into relationships and the strife that, that happens in relationships... In a, in a place of rest, we give up the blame game. And when you begin to realize that you were actually to blame for something, your sin, you were to blame for it, and you could begin to realize your shortcomings before God, and you have no control over those shortcomings, that, that, that you're just going to continue to be short before God. And the only one that can take the blame for it is yourself. Well, you begin to realize that you were to blame, yet He took the blame. He took it. We were to blame, yet we're showing mercy. Are we going to realize, hold on a second, who are we to blame anyone? I struggle with this. I, as I was preparing this today, I, I was really challenged by this sermon. I was just like, I don't want to preach this, God. Can I not preach this? Can you get someone else to preach this? Can we preach this in a different church? Can we just pretend this stuff doesn't exist? Because it means that I have to work on myself here. I have to... I have, I have some challenges that I need to walk through here. <laughs> you know, it's interesting in life how we, um, we really want God to take the blame for us, and He does. He does so lovingly. But we still want everybody else to carry their sins as they deserve. You know, 
We, we, we would say, oh, thank you, God, you're so gracious on me. I'm such a sinner. I'm so wrong. I'm this and that. And we, we walk in, but we forget. We forget. Now, he carries everybody else's sin as well. See, there's this internal reality that changes when we get grace, when we understand we've been forgiven so much, who are we not to forgive anyone? The question changes, right? From, you know what, who is to blame for my circumstances? Who did this to me? Why am I feeling this way? Who's going to pay for this? It changes from that to Christ paid for all of this. All the sins of mine that I've done and all the sins that have been done for me, to me by others that I didn't deserve, they're all paid for, every one of them. What's the result? When, when we begin to get this rest, is just like we give up all of the strife, all of the striving, all of the battles. It's like their sin, that wrong that they're doing to me, and what they're doing to me that's hurting me is all paid for on the cross anyway. The blame was taken by Christ. So who am I to try and put that blame on them? It's almost like we're trying to put, take God off the cross on their behalf and say, no, 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 you, I'll take your grace, God. I'll take it, I'll take it. But they don't deserve it. But see, when we do that, that is strife. And it will not bring peace into our world. In fact, it will bring the opposite. It will bring strife, it will bring chaos, it will bring a horrible thing and there will be no growth for you. There will be no growth. You won't be able to grow because strife only, internal strife only leads to destruction because it's all based in sin. It's all based in sin. That, that, that only leads to destruction, see? The question needs to change from who is to blame for our circumstances to this. It needs to change to this. How is what I'm going through right now, and it does change, as you get the gospel, as you get that the blame lied on you and that you were forgiven, and the blame for everybody else that laid on them, they're all forgiven too. It changes from who's to blame to How is what I'm facing right now causing me to grow? <laughs> and oh man, I struggled with this as I was writing this. How, as I asked in my own circumstances and my own life and my own, you know, everything that I, I walk through in life and you know, we all have our stuff, you know. How is what I'm facing right now causing me to grow? Because that's why God's allowed it. And when you look at that from a place of rest, knowing that the blame, that's all on Him. And He took it because He was the only one that could. We actually begin to walk growing. As I said, growth will not come out of strife. Growth will not come out of finding who is to blame. Because blame put Jesus, our God, on the cross. Blame causes death. If you're trying to find the one 
to crucify for your situations. And it only leads to death. It's already been done. It's already been finished. It's already been complete. That's not the question. Who is to blame? The question is, how am I to grow? And God, how am I going to get through this with you? What kind of faith do I need in order to walk through this and grow and stay in peace and in rest internally? But we don't do that, do we? <laughs> we, we struggle, we strive. We do the things that we do. We press all the buttons that we do. We all know, we all have them. We try to maintain control. We try to maintain composure in, 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 in the sense of, but all we're doing is just destroying ourselves internally. Just destroying ourselves. You, you want, God wants growth for you. He wants you to go from level to level. He wants you to go from, from strength to strength. The only way that you can do that is in rest. The only way you can find rest is to find Him and to find that He was to blame. The only way to find rest is to know that He has got mercy for you. And you'll have rest from the blame game. Anybody want rest from the blame game? C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.